Chapter Twelve of From Tangier to Tripoli by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The Garden Spots of the Desert. Very few of us appreciate the extent of the fertile spots of the Sahara. I have visited a number of the oases and through conversation with explorers and travelers of this part of the world have learned much about others they are scattered at wide distances apart throughout the sahara often for miles and miles there will be none then again they will pepper the rocky wastes as though the lord had sown patches of green from out of the sky it is estimated that there are altogether something like eighty thousand square miles of such garden spots scattered here and there upon this ocean of sand eighty thousand square miles that means a territory about twice as large as the state of ohio and one infinitely richer suppose we could pick out of our country enough of its richest hot beds to cover virginia and kentucky and patch them together that will give some idea of the extent of the oases to appreciate them however we must see them lying in the midst of a region larger than the united states all the rest of which is absolutely sterile we must imagine them surrounded by sand stones boulders and all sorts of arid formations there is no green of any kind for miles about only a vast waste of blazing white dazzling yellow or eye-aching red off in the distance the mountains may be blue changing to a warm rose tint at sunset but all is arid and bare sometimes the oases form a string or rather a chain of green islands marking the route of some sunken gulf stream flowing through the sea of sand sometimes many of them are clustered in one place showing the presence of a subterranean lake or of springs or wells far from any other apparent water supply the desert has been described as a vast ocean with the oases as its islands these sahara islands however lie below and not above the level of their sandy sea they are always found in depressions where the scanty waters have drained in and formed reservoirs much of the desert has a bed of stiff clay under it the water may sink down through a hundred or more feet of gravel and rock but when it comes to this clay bed it flows on until it strikes a hollow and if this hollow be high enough and deep enough the result is an oasis in the district known as el erg depressions of this kind furnish wells which can irrigate eight million date palms the place where i am riding is in the wadi saura a great underground stream that flows far below the surface for several hundred miles and then breaks out and supplies the oases of tuat which are among the largest of the western sahara i have already described the extensive date plantations of fagig that oasis is not at all like the oasis of tarla which i visited during a thirty-mile horseback ride over the desert from beni onif tarla is one of many islands of the desert scattered along the branches of the wadi saura it is found on the susfani river which unites with the wadi gir near igli to form the saura the latter flowing on southward from there to feed the oases of tua from tarla to igli a distance of more than a hundred miles the river flows so far below the earth that there is no vegetation whatever just east of figging the susfane comes out in a trickling stream and the result is a cluster of garden spots covering a distance of several miles 
these green places are sometimes so narrow that one could throw a stone over them they are often not more than one hundred feet wide broadening out at times to three hundred feet or more the river bed is frequently dry even at an oasis but little pools of water now and then come to the surface and near them date trees loaded with fruit grow out of the thirsty sand at tarla such palms are to be seen for eight or ten miles up and down the river bed i rode through them for at least six miles under bunches of ripe dates all the way i stopped near a village which was inhabited not long ago but is now deserted except at times of harvest its people have moved across the sands to Figig in order that they may be better protected from the brigands of the region although they still cultivate their little date farms and when the crop is ripe come back to their huts and towers to watch them the arabs say that if you thrust a stick into the desert and water it you will soon have a tree i can easily believe it the sands of the sahara are wonderfully fertile and if they could all be watered this would be the garden spot of the globe as it is the rainfall of the whole region does not average more than five inches per year though there are some places on the highlands that have occasional rains and at certain seasons the water falls there off and on for several days when this occurs vegetation springs up as though by magic the ground is carpeted with grass and wild flowers of many kinds burst into bloom in coming to tarla i rode through patches of thorn bushes scattered at wide distances apart such vegetation is found all along this part of the sufani the moisture not being sufficient for anything else as i rode by i saw a drove of camels feeding on the thorn bushes and stopped and made photographs of them nearer the dry river bed where the moisture was greater were thick bunches of alpha grass and other desert plants and flowers then came the region of date trees the soil of the sahara is not like that of any country where rain is common indeed the lack of rain is one cause of its great latent fertility other lands are leached by the water the brooks and streams carrying a great part of their potash and other fertilizing matter out to the sea this is not so here the rocks may disintegrate more slowly but the weathering goes on all the same there is no place where the changes of temperature are more sudden and marked the sun is red hot during the day but after sunset the atmosphere becomes so cold that blankets are by no means uncomfortable i always carry an overcoat in my rides over the desert and find that i need it the changes are such that the rocks split and crumble under them the desert winds are as strong as those of the sea and when the sirocco blows the sand cuts one's face it dashes the sharp grains against the rocks and grinds them down without the action of water so that all the rich fertilizing materials stay in the rock particles which make the soil the oases will grow almost anything that is grown in california they produce luscious oranges grapes melons and olives as well as apples peaches pomegranates and pears in the northern sahara they have wheat barley millet and sorghum and in the south tobacco and cotton i see eggplants onions tomatoes and cucumbers for sale in the markets together with peas beans turnips and carrots the chief product however is dates the date palm thrives throughout the sahara if it can only have water it is the money crop of every oasis and the chief support of the people indeed an oasis is known not by the number of its inhabitants but by the number of date palms it contains and its inhabitants are rich or poor according as the dates produced are good or indifferent
in some places the people eat little else and dates are fed to the animals and even to dogs such dates are not like those we have in america they are a dry variety which can be stored away and kept for years those sent to the united states are of a soft variety so full of juice that they have to be drained before they are packed other dates might be called table dates these are delicious when eaten fresh from the trees we have them every day with our dinner and served at breakfast with the coffee and rolls they are fat and yellow as sweet as sugar and as plump as prunes before they are dried among the oases fed by underground rivers those of tuat produce some of the best dates although their product is not so good as the dates of tafalot tuat is controlled by the french toregs on camels under the employ of the algerian government patrol it to keep order and the people have become peaceful and thriving it is not one oasis only but is composed of five large groups of oases in the very center of the sahara comprising three or four hundred petty states it is scattered over a region as big as indiana and has all told a population of one hundred and twenty thousand arabs berbers and blacks tuat produces opium tobacco cotton and some wheat and barley a large part of its date crop is brought by caravans up the valley of the saura by way of igli to the railroad at this point to be shipped from here northward to iran and thence to europe the oases of tuat are a great center of the caravan trade they lie about eight hundred miles from timbuktu in the sudan and a like distance from mogador on the atlantic from tangier opposite the strait of gibraltar and from tripoli on the mediterranean the french are now diverting the tripoli caravan trade to their tunisian port of gabes the route to which is much shorter among the best dates known to the world come from tafelelt they are very large and sweet and are shipped in great quantities to europe as tidbits for the holiday season tafelelt like tuat comprises a number of separate oases having altogether three hundred fortified villages its chief town is abuam which has the biggest market of the western sahara it is a desert trade center sending two immense caravans every year to timbuktu almost a thousand miles directly south of it the people of tafalel are independent and warlike they are fanatical mohammedans and have caused no end of trouble they occasionally declare a holy war and organize raids into algeria the population which numbers more than a million is about the worst in morocco since the family of the sultan comes from that region the tafalatites have a great influence in all parts of morocco i am now at the town of kolam bekar just south of beni unif and at the end of the railroad which runs up to oran it is proposed to push the line on to timbuktu a distance of eleven or twelve hundred miles farther if this is done the french will have a railway clear across the sahara and much of the traffic which now goes on camels to tripoli and to the atlantic will be carried over this road the track is a narrow gauge but is well built and carries considerable freight though the trains are slow they are infinitely superior to camels already a great deal of the caravan trade of the sahara has been diverted to the atlantic the products of the western sudan are carried up the niger to timbuktu and jen and thence sent overland to the railroad which the french have built from the port of st louis to caius on the senegal river that whole territory is controlled by the french 
and there are french soldiers stationed in timbuktu the southern part of the sahara is policed from that region and the chief imports come from europe via the atlantic ocean instead of across country on camels there is another scheme to extend the biskra line which runs down into the algerian sahara from constantine not far from the tunisian boundary so in time we may cross the sahara by rail the french are rapidly prospecting the desert their civil engineers have gone over it from here to timbuktu and report that the chief difficulty in running a railroad between the two points will be the question of fuel the fuel now used is briquettes made of coal dust each being the size of an ordinary building block and the expense of transportation is already almost prohibitive this cost will be increased as the line goes farther south if we should discover as thomas edison long tried to do a way of getting the full energy of the coal without turning it into steam that might solve the problem as it is now fully ninety percent of the heat energy is lost by such an invention coal would be ten times as efficient as it is now and the trans-saharan railroad would be a commercial possibility the caravans which bring goods here from the oases are as clumsy a means of transportation as can be imagined on a long trip each freight camel carries only about three hundred pounds and the usual rate of travel is not more than two miles an hour every dozen camels have to have a driver and each caravan is equipped with water bottles of pigskin and provisions for the people on the journey many of these caravans stop for the camels to feed on the thorn bushes as they go over the desert others carry provisions for a part of the way the routes are always along the lines of the oases as a camel can go only from three to five days without water on a long journey the beasts are kept from drinking for some time before starting in order that they may be thirsty and fill the reservoirs inside them just as they depart i find a great difference in the camels down here in the sahara there are some which go as easily as a gated kentucky saddler and others that jar one more than a hard trotting horse the mabaras seem to be all legs and to have the speed of the winds they are well cared for and are as beautiful as camels can be with the larger caravans there are usually some of these mabaris ridden by soldiers or the chiefs of the tribes armed with guns sometimes tuaregs so mounted are employed as guards the freight camels on the other hand are dingy and scarred they always look sullen and will bite at you as they pass they groan grumble and even shed tears every morning when the loads are put on and seem angry from daylight to dark it takes two or three months for a caravan to cross the sahara whereas by railroad one could make the journey in three or four days. End of chapter 12